try it again. Oh, there we are. Okay. <laughs> I thought I was off mute. I love this um, subject I'm going to bring to you this morning. And I have to admit that uh, there were times in preparation that it uh, brought me to tears. <laughs> Um, so pray that I maintain myself this morning <laughs> as I bring it to you. Um, we've, we've come to the last verse in our series this morning, uh, going through Acts 2, 42 to 47. And so we've come to verse 47, and that is the verse out of which uh, this this uh, sermon flows, but we'll be looking at a number of other passages. The the first line actually will be reserved for a couple weeks from now, uh, praising God, and uh, I'll be dealing with the rest of it. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. In order to fully appreciate what happened here in the, in the early church, in this uh, passage that we've been looking at, not just this verse, but also the, uh, the verses uh, 42 to 46 that we've already looked at over the past several weeks, we need to see this in its broader context. And I'm talking about the context of all of Scripture. And no, we're not going to do that much. But it is huge. It is actually a very huge story that we ourselves have landed right in the midst of and that we're a part of. This verse, verse 47, is the outcome of what the church has been engaged in from verses 42 to 46 that defined them as God's redeemed people and gives us just a glimpse, just a small glimpse into an amazing story that is central. And it is a central theme throughout all of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. It is a story of how God made Eve for Adam and how God perfected and beautified and prepared that bride to present to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we see that in the book of Revelation summed up and looking back through the whole story leading up to that. And what we will consider this morning gives, I think, incredible, great significance to our part in this continuing story. And it's all about God's own personal mission. And he makes us a part of it. So let's start. Let's start with our text this morning, and it takes us right up to that story. Uh, 
So would you do this? Would you please stand with me in reverence to the Word of God as I read uh, His Word to us this morning from, I don't know if it's going to be up there or not. Um, John chapter 3, and of course that's very familiar. We're going to go beyond verse 16 and jump a little further to basically the story that drives John 3.16 and makes that happen and everything else that flows out of it. This is the story. Verses 27 to 29 and then I'm going to jump to verse 35 which is the heart of it all. And you'll see why I say that. John the Baptist replying to his disciples about Jesus said a person can receive only what is given them from heaven you yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Messiah but am sent ahead of him the bride belongs to the bridegroom the friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. Now dropping down to verse 35. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything into His hands. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father, as we examine your word this morning, move our hearts to love you and just respond in faith. Oh, Lord, help us to understand more fully your purposes for us and how we are wrapped into such an amazing story of your grace. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you please be seated? So the whole message of Scripture flows out of this story of the Father's love for His Son. All things, the Bible says, were made not only by Him, but for Him. God had you and me in mind before it all happened. He knew you by name. God's love for you and for me is very intentional, and it starts here in this story. And if we understand that the if we understand the gravity of our sinfulness, oh how great is that grace to us that God would choose us to belong to the son that he loves. What amazing grace it is that God would choose us to belong to the son that he loves when we consider our sinfulness. Wow. Just think on that for a moment. And yet, 
And yet he chooses us. And yet he makes us worthy of him. If there was ever a Cinderella story, this is it. But it is no fairy tale. This is the story of love in the scriptures that drives the entire gospel. We find it reflected in this passage that we read earlier from Genesis 24 where Abraham sent his most trusted servant out on a quest to find a bride for Isaac. And we see that he was careful to follow God's lead in identifying the one of God's choosing. Through Abraham, God would call out a people identified with him, and through Abraham, bless all the nations. He would bless all the nations with the gospel of salvation. And just as Abraham was seeking a bride for Isaac, God's mission has always been to find and prepare a people and a perfect bride for his son. John the Baptist understood this better than anybody and was thrilled to be the one to introduce the bridegroom to his bride. And he also understood that Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is how God has always seen his relationship to us. It's with the most intimate kind of love that we can comprehend. Through Isaiah 54, verse 5, he he tells us, For your maker is your husband. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. We also see that story, and as later on, we're going to come to the book of Ruth, and we'll see that portrayed there. There's many other books in the Bible that we see this story portrayed. It's out there. It's no wonder. It's no wonder that God would go to such extremes that Jesus would plan all along to give his life for his bride. And Paul noted the same thing to the Ephesian church. That Christ loved his bride enough to give his life for her. There are entire books in the Bible, as I mentioned to speak of this relationship and this theme that's carried through Scripture and we can't even take the time to consider all that. But even then, even in in the uh, deliverance of Israel and the giving of the law, God intended to prepare a bride for His Son to make her a standout. Deuteronomy 10 verses 14 and 15 puts it this way. And again, this is a preview of what's going on in 247. And he tells us, Behold to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth and all that there is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers 
and chose their offspring after them, you, you above all peoples as you are this day. That is grace on display. One way from this text that I like to describe grace is that God singled you out for special attention for himself. Before the world existed, God had you in mind to be added to that number of those who he calls his own. God singled you out for special attention for himself. You belong. You belong to his son. Your salvation and your participation in the body of Christ are inseparable. God, the Lord, added to their number those who are being saved. The two are inseparable. We don't add ourselves. The sovereign Lord God added each one of us as he brought us to himself through rebirth by his spirit. So Acts 2, 42 to 46, there we find, that the, there we find the continuation of God's sovereign grace at work in a crowd of people called out by the gospel with lives being transformed through the Spirit. Through all those things that we have already discussed over the past several weeks leading up to the reproduction of another generation by God. In this verse, verse 47. God has been gathering through the means of redemption a bride for His Son. That is who we are. The Father loves the Son and has given everything into His hands. That's us. That's everything. You are loved because God always intended to express His love to His eternal Son through His love for you. You are a gift of love. The bride that the Father has pursued and given to His Son. I can hardly wrap my head around that. But that is what drives the whole message of the gospel of grace. Even if that wasn't enough, God's grace is extended to us even further than that. Can you even imagine? (laughs) I mean, we could just settle into that and be content. But God's grace goes even further. He uh, he promised it. We read, you know, earlier a uh, a uh, song standing on the promises. Let me read a promise to you out of Zechariah eight 
verse 23. This is what it looks like. This is, this is exactly what we saw happening, you know, in the early church, and it just kept happening more and more and more as we go on through the book of Acts. Thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days, ten men from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a Jew, saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Now picture that. Take every tongue. I mean, in Mexico alone, do you realize there are 3,000 dialects? That's just across the border. Now, take the whole world. We're not talking just the nations. We're talking about every people group, every tribe, every language. And you multiply that by 10. This is the influence that the church had because of the transforming grace of God. Not only the testimony of the message of the gospel, but the testimony of their transformed lives as we've been talking about over the past several weeks. This is the impact that it can have. People look and they see, what's going on here? God is with you. Let me go with you to seek the Lord. right here where we're at we're a part of that to change the world to call the world to call that bride all of the elect of God to Christ It's one thing to know that God has his personal mission to gather a people that would become the bride for the son he loves. (laughs) But to go even further, to include us as not just merely recipients of that grace, but participants. Participants as co-workers. Co-workers with God in his personal mission that he has chosen to do for himself out of his love for his son. God is on this mission. Just like Abraham. Find a bride for Isaac. Find a bride for my son. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest. He will send laborers. You know, the more you pray for something like that, sometimes it just kind of gets into you to where you end up becoming the means by which that prayer is fulfilled. Maybe that was Jesus' strategy there. See, that takes it to a whole new level of amazement to think that God would approve us and honor us in such a way as to entrust us with what is so dear to his own heart. Wow. 
But that is exactly how God intends to carry out His mission. I mean, He could do it all by Himself. But God in His grace has chosen to work through means and we are the means by accomplishing what is dear to His heart. That is exactly how God intends to carry it out. He approves us and He equips us by His Spirit for the tasks that He gives each one of us as we become His co-workers on His mission. That's why He gives us natural gifts. This is why He gives us spiritual gifts to make use of them for building that bride and making her beautiful. That is also what is going on here in Acts 2 in this glimpse into His love story that's like, say, of biblical proportions. God never planned to carry out His mission apart from us, but by means of our participation with Him. Oh, what grace that is. And guess what? He never, ever allowed for a plan B. Yes, we could say that His ways are perfect, so there's no need for a plan B but also because that's how much His heart is set on you. This arrangement is even rooted in creation itself. It's a reflection of the church's relationship to Christ. When God made Eve, you notice how He described her before He even made her? That she would be a helper, suitable for the man he was thinking way ahead to us and to Christ God had the purpose of the church in mind all along not only to be just just right and fit for his son but to be partnered with him in reconciling the world to himself We are to Christ as Eve was to Adam. We were designed to be helpers in God's mission and made suitable by God's Spirit for the task and for the relationship. What do we do with that? Where do we go from here? To avoid being too repetitious, I would just refer back to the messages and the discussions from the past several weeks. That's where we find our application. (laughs) They gave us the what and the how as we looked to the early church as a model for us of living into the transformed life together as the body of Christ, lives of devotion to learning and living in obedience to the Word of God as delivered to us through the apostles. Um, The value of fellowship, the sacraments and prayer, making use of the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, 
lives of grace, hospitality, generosity. I mean, you can just kind of look at the banners and, and just be reminded of, of those things. And of a deep love and joy in the Lord. And then we will be looking in a couple weeks at the life of worship together. And as Paul told us, told the uh, Thessalonian church, he, he said he didn't need to teach them how to love each other. They were already doing it. And so basically, as we reflect on what we've already heard, so we just keep on doing more and more what we already are doing and doing it better. So the early church had an influence because of that transformed life and the testimony of the gospel. They had an influence on the world around them. And it wasn't by conforming to the current culture or by putting on a dog and pony show, but by distinguishing themselves through a life of godliness with Christ at the center. This morning... My aim was to have provided the why. So over the last several weeks, we looked at the what and the how. This morning, I hope I brought you the why. Why would we want to imitate the early churches described in this sermon series? Why would we want to continue to be a part of this love story? Why would we want to participate with God in His mission to reconcile all things to Himself And in the process, bring a bride to his son. When we consider what this story that we are already a part of is about and where it is taking us, why would we not want to be right in the middle of it, totally devoted to whatever part we may play in that story? Why would we not invest the entirety of our lives to such a high calling? Why would we not when we consider this love relationship that we have with the one that called us out? I just don't know I just don't know of any better opportunity or a grander purpose than to be so honored and so privileged as to participate with God Himself as a co-worker. As a co-worker with Him. in his personal mission. (laughs) His own personal mission that is driven by love for his son and love for us. That he would not only make us his, but make us his partners in his own mission. How can anything in all the world be better than that? Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord, you are so full of grace. You have wrapped us in love. You have made your church this perfect bride clothed in your righteousness, made suitable for the son you love.
Lord, help us to embrace that with an irresistible passion and live into it as we go forward in our lives. Lord, help us to grasp this in a way that we embrace it and that it moves us in everything that we do so that it's out of that out of that passion for you that we live. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.